0: Myself anymore like a lost key in the kitchen drawer, just waiting for someone to show me to the door. I'm turn
1: upwards, baby. Hey up, my name is Ben, and you're listening to a special Greatest Teammates edition of the YYY Files. Today we're gonna to be featuring some of Stokes' most loved player partnerships over the years and trying to stitch together a starting eleven of dynamic duos. I'm not the only one building an 11 today, as I'm joined by someone who's been on the podcast before, but he's doing something close to his heart. Uh, Kyle Norbury, how are you, mate? Hi, mate. I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. I like this little idea we've got. I'm glad you've, because this was your idea, Kyle, to do this podcast. I mean, I'm going to explain what it is in a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break. This is a bit of a bonus episode for those of you listening. I, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I'm excited for this, mate.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you're on board with with the idea. I knew it uh, had add something extra to kind of break up your regular content.
1: Absolutely, and I had to do some extra research as well, which is uh,
0: a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Apologise, apologise for the extra time you've spent. But, oh, uh, don't worry about that. I think uh, your audience will uh, enjoy going going through delving into the best partnerships that Stoke City have have had over the years, and we'll uh, try to cover the teammates in as much detail as possible, hopefully.
1: Let's hope so. So, as I say, I'll explain a little bit more about what me and Kyle are doing today. We're going to be building our own 11, each containing five of our favourite combinations of Stoke City teammates hopefully we'll be covering different partners between us but there's no strict rules to this it's just a bit of fun covering something that we've not dedicated a lot of time to on this podcast really so this is teammates perhaps two in some cases because you've got 11 players and 11 obviously you've got two maybe three players who just worked so well for Stoke City together obviously the players must have played for Stoke City together before and were famous for doing so whether that be a strike partnership defensive titans or wide players that just combined brilliantly you should recognize these players for complementing each other whilst playing for stoke the reason why this podcast has come about today is that kyle has created a mobile app all about teammates i'll give you a minute to tell us a bit about your project mate
0: yeah so uh, the app was something that i came up with which was uh, based loosely on fifa ultimate team but it's more of a quiz, so you select players in a lineup which link together, and there's only one lineup which all links together. Once you link together all the teammates in a lineup of various players from various clubs, you complete the lineup and you can progress up the league. So each level is a different position on four divisions, as in the association football pyramid. You can also earn credits and win trophies as you go. And yeah, you can download Teammates on the App Store now. And I think it will test your knowledge as well as give you a bit of nostalgia. I really recommend you download a fun football quiz app, as I think there's nothing like it out there on the App Store.
1: There you go. Where else can we find you and and maybe a bit of background about your project as well?
0: So uh, the conception of the app started just before I moved away for uni and I totally forgot all about it, but I came back to the idea after graduating. I thought it really had legs. You can read about the full story of how I created the app in Duck Mag. So I've written an article that will go in uh, the upcoming uh, September issue. So make sure you buy that if you want to find out more about teammates
1: and how it was created. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's important to say that it's not just a Stoke City thing. These teammates are teammates of like past and present, if, if that makes sense. So you're trying to complete a puzzle, trying to remember who used to play with who, and sort of the spider's web grows. And, and I've played the game. It is quite good. I also just want to make clear that this isn't a sponsored podcast in any way, or I'm not formally endorsing this app, but I've, I've played it and I have enjoyed it. So yeah, feel free to go check out teammates in your app store if you sound interested, or you know, if you just want to help out a fellow Stoke fan. I like the idea of the app. I like the idea of teammates in general. And I guess that brings us nicely to this as well. The way it's going to work, like I say, me and Carl are going to build our own starting 11. And we're going to go through, like, a partnership or trio or pair or... We're going to name a group of teammates each. And then just working our way through 11. So we're going to alternate. Who wants to start? Me or you, mate? I mean, you can, you can start. Okay. In that case, yeah. So... The positions that I've grouped together for this then, is I've gone for centre-backs and goalkeeper. I've gone for right flank and left flank. So that will be right back, right wing, left back, left wing. Midfielders, two midfielders and two strikers. So I've got 4-4-2 going on. If you can imagine sort of the triangle at the back, the two wide players on each of the flanks linking together, the two midfielders and the two strikers. How about you, mate?
0: Uh, Same as you. Yeah, I just went traditional Tony Pulis old school Hmm. 4-4-2. It's easier to link up teammates in a 4-4-2 because you usually get pairings all over the pitch. So yeah, 4-4-2 seems to work best.
1: Yeah, if anyone has played FIFA Ultimate Team, you know how good four four two is for chemistry. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> so, I'll go for my centre backs and goalkeeper. Then it's tough in a way because I'm thinking of the files I've seen, and we've had so many centre backs from so many eras across Stoke City's history. But there's two that just spring to mind instantly, and for me, that's Ryan Shaw, Cross and Robert Huth. It's just so hard to look past these guys for me. Shawcross is a club legend, and that's not an understatement for me. Hooth was a colossus and basically a carbon copy of Shawcross's playstyle. And I think that's why they play so well together. Some would say that a better combination might be, I don't know, big man, little man, or the guy that clears the ball, the guy that plays out from the back, or maybe the guy that loves a hard tackle, and then the guy that's a bit more cultured. But these two, yes, they weren't the best on the ball. Yes, they could be both quite aggressive, maybe giving away penalties or whatever, but they both knew what each other were doing. The link between them, I think, was so grand, and you knew what you were getting from both of them every time they stepped out onto the pitch. Both very physical. Both would do anything for the cause. And both were really, really good tacklers when you think about it. When you think of some of the defended that we've seen over the last few years, there's a reason why those two were at the back together for as long as they were and remembered quite as long in a partnership for as long as they were. Going with them, I could have gone with Thomas Sorensen, but I've gone with Asmir Begovic to link with those two players. You know, Begovic played with both in the league for a number of years. Neither of the centre-backs really had any pace, so Begovic would sometimes clear up that negative in a one-on-one, you know, Begovic was also a terrific shot stopper. Stoke were very often backs to the wall, and Shawcross and Hooth were there to defend that and put blocks in and last-ditch tackles. But Begovic, when required, would be that last barrier for a goal going in and you know some goalkeepers suit some defenders and teams much better and I think Begovic for his qualities like I say he wasn't very gifted for the ball either you wouldn't see him passing it and spraying it to Shawcross and Huth very often but they all had the same sort of mindset they were all keep this ball out no matter what and then get rid of the ball and pump it up the pitch and it worked it worked for so long we had such a reliable defence with them in it. And as soon as either one of them dropped out of the team, we were worse off. So, yeah, Ryan Shawcross, Robert Hooth and Asmir Begovic are my triangle at the back. How about you?
0: Well, I've gone for Shawcross and Huth as well.
1: Mm. I think uh,
0: Shawcross and Huth's lifespan as 1st two centre-backs exceeded anyone's expectations. They had five and a half seasons as centre-back pairing and were hugely important in the success of... Pulis's well-oiled defensive machine. From Premier League consolidation, being better against the top sides, keeping clean sheets away from home, that was a thing and scoring (laughs) handfuls of goals from throw-ins and corners to them playing in Europe despite Pulis wanting to keep them fresh for Premier League survival and stepping up another level of footballing excellence under Mark Hughes when he still had that bit of grounding for his mean streak let's say. And I just remember in that European campaign Pulis bringing in Upson and Woodgate as cover for Shawcross and Huth. But despite their footballing CVs being arguably better than particularly Shawcross, although Huth had obviously been a bit part player at Chelsea and won a couple of Premier Leagues previously, but for them to come in was the idea and, and act as cover to give Shawcross and Hoof that rest, either in Europe or in the Premier League or all the other cup competitions, but it never worked out because Shawcross and Hooth were so much better than Woodgate and Upson. And I remember Woodgate was shifted out to right back, I think, and Upson barely got a game for us. So yeah, that just proves the, the solid partnership of Shawcross and Hoof was something that we couldn't replace. Certainly when the two were still in the squad under Pulis, there was a running joke among Stoke fans that, Hooth made Shawcross look good, um, Hmm. and that Shawcross couldn't play without Hooth, which had a bit of reasoning behind it when Shawcross crumbled against Latan in his only England cap in 2012. But it turned out not to be true because obviously Shawcross would go on to form solid pairings with Mark Mooney and Philip Walshide. Although the same can't be said of Vimmer and Martin's Indy in what was an overcautious and rubbish Three at the back that could barely bring the ball out without Shawcross wedging it clear. But uh, Shawcross and Hooth, although they weren't as pretty as, um, like you said, the little and large, the passer and the destroyer of so-called traditional centre-back partnerships. I'm I'm thinking of like Manu's Ferdinand and Vidic combination, for example. I read Alex Ferguson's autobiography in lockdown and. I found it interesting when he spoke about his centre-backs because he said that they were the base of all of his uh, title victories. They were so important to him when his side was successful. And I think the same goes for for Stoke, really. I mean, if you look at when we were most uh, successful under Pulis and Hughes, we had strong defensive partnerships playing at centre-back for us. So, yeah, with the side order of a European tour, Shawcross and Hoof, gave us survival, they gave us consolidation in the Premier League and an FA Cup final, let's not forget. So uh, yeah, I'm going to Shawcross and Hooth. Looking at the stats, I've compared the centre-back partnerships, Stoke, uh, using Transfer Markets handy little section of the website, which is based on teammates which I may or may not have used for the app. (laughs) The number of matches that Shawcross and Hoof were teammates together for Stoke was 165, so it's many more than any other partnership that Shawcross had or any other in Stoke's modern history. If you add to that the points per game that they achieved over that huge length of time, five and a half seasons, it was 1.41 points per game. So that is... Know, survival form quite comfortably they also had a, a joint goals participation of two and I'll probably mention this later on when we talk about attacking players it mean, means that basically Shawcross or Huth flip the ball onto the other for them to score and I think that's that's pretty good for a centre-back partnership so on all those metrics pretty much Shawcross and Huth come out on top even better than Abdulai Fai and any other of Shawcross's teammates. Apart from actually something I spotted which I found quite interesting uh, was the points per game that Shawcross and Leon Court had in the promotion season in 2007 08. When Shawcross and Court were on the pitch together, we achieved points per game of 1.91. Over a 46 game championship season, that would have given us 87 points, which would have definitely uh, meant that we would have finished champions that season if Shawcross and Court were teammates throughout the season. But yeah, that's something I just found interesting. They were also full of goals, Court and Shawcross that season. So between them, they managed 15 goals and 11 of those were when they were on uh, the same pitch together. So yeah, that's something I, I just found using the transfer market tool.
1: How about that then? And so, I guess some would argue that Shawcross and Court were playing in literally a different league to Shawcross and Hooth, so maybe that would have skewed things if it was the other way around for either one. I mean, having said that, like, we've said there's a reason why Shawcross and Hooth had such a long partnership together and why Stoke fans recognise them as possibly one of the best centre-back partnerships we've ever had both of them stand out yeah. together. I know Shawcross has been at the club for a lot longer and is considered perhaps more of a legend, but both of them I think I loved possibly just as much in hindsight. Who's your goalkeeper then? So,
0: yeah, my goalkeeper, it was a real toss-up. If we're going for, you know, the centre-back pairing of Shawcross and Huth, uh, which both of us are, I looked at the stats um, that both goalkeepers had posted when teammates with Robert Hooth, because, you know, that's more of a, an indication of, of their uh, success with Shawcross and Hooth as the centre-backs. Sorensen played 79 matches with uh, Hooth and Shawcross and had a points per game of 1.43. Asmia Begovic played 107 games with the same partnership and had a points per game of 1.27. So there still isn't much between it. You could go for either one based on those two stats, but... I went for Thomas Sorensen for the, for the FA Cup run and I think the fact that the points per game Sorensen had over Begovic, enough reason to go with Sorensen. Although they, they were such uh, good keepers for us, they were, they were so good under Pulis. You know, we, we really relied on a good goalkeeper the way we played and we had two brilliant goalkeepers. I think Sorensen was probably better with the ball at his feet I think Begovic was probably better in the air. He was, he was more commanding and would come and claim crosses maybe a little better. But you can hardly separate the two goalkeepers. And a lot of people on the Files FC have gone for either Sorensen or Begovic. And it, it seems to be an even split. I know I went for Butland when I did mine, which was um, last season. If I if I had to pick a, a greatest Stoke City goalkeeper now, it wouldn't be Butland. He seems to have tarnished his reputation in the past season, season and a half. So I I would definitely go for Sorensen as my greatest uh, Stoke City goalkeeper to play behind the centre-back partnership of Shawcross and Huth.
1: Yeah, I can understand that to be fair. I think for me, Begovic was just more of a unit and, and more of a long-term unit between the two Sorensen played the cup games if you remember exactly we were good in uh, quite a lot of the cup competitions away from the fa cup final i remember that in other years we did quite well in the cups not not so these days <laughs> and I, th- I think that's probably
0: the reason for Sorensen's points per game being so high yeah because I think he played all of the cup games the season before and then we signed Begovic and then uh, we decided because there, weren't, there wasn't much between the two keepers that Sorensen would play the cup games and Begovic would play in the league.
1: Yeah, very hard to separate the two. We're not going to do a sort of combined 11 on this. I don't think you guys can decide for yourself. <laughs> Shawcross and Huth are both in there. Whether you guys want to go for Begovic or Sorensen, both I think are very worthy candidates and very hard to split. Good luck splitting those two because I had a real trouble doing that. Anyway, we'll move on then. Should we move to right flank then, in that case? Okay, so my right flank is. I'm going back a bit now because I personally don't think Stoke have had an iconic right flank for a while. Kyle may go and prove me wrong, and perhaps this wasn't particularly an iconic right flank in itself I don't know I wasn't there lots of you listening won't be there either because I've gone for Eric Skeels and Sir Stanley Matthews and the reason why I've gone for this was because I'll give you a bit of background on each of the two players if you don't know and if you don't you're mad. Skeels was at Stoke for 17 seasons so we had a lot of partners on the right side of midfield He made 597 appearances for Stoke, which is a clear, clear club record. Uh, I'm not sure if all of them were at right back. He said he also enjoyed playing in midfield as well. But, you know, Skeels was a reliable player whose teammates adored him, really, for what he did in the team. Sounds like he was very much an understated player. Sir Stanley Matthews is obviously one of the club's most famous and greatest ever players. He's admired all over the world, despite his modesty. A football pioneer has, has won so much and won so much praise from some of the best sporting figures in the world but for me not having seen the two play but having considered both of them together in their demeanor or their stature I, I can see them complimenting quite well Sir so Stanley Matthews being the golden boy like I say he was he was a modest bloke anyone who met him would say that but Stanley Matthews obviously had the the prowess, he's probably the standout name on the team sheet back in the day, one of the greatest players in the world. Eric Skills sounded like playing for Stoke was an honour for him. Both local lads, but Skills never made a fuss of himself <laughs> when he was asked about his appearances. He, he said, oh, well, don't make a fuss over me and would refuse to give a proper figure for that just to sort of deflect away from any praise that he would get. But he seemed very proud to play for Stoke. And I think that's why they would probably work well together, just because you've got that one who's happy to take the limelight, take all the pressure, and then you've got the other who's more than happy to work in the background, do the dirty work perhaps, perhaps sometimes even play better than the other, but not get the recognition for it. Sistan and Eric Skills both filling those roles for me. And I think that's sometimes what makes a good right and left flank. You might see this on the other side for me in a minute, But like I say, Skills had a lot of partners at Stoke and so Stanley Matthews is one of the greatest players we've ever had. So those two on their own are Stoke City heroes in their own right. But them together, I I think they had five seasons with each other or something like that. Like I say, how often each of them played together, it's very hard to get stats for people from that long ago. And I'm (laughs) I'm not a very stats oriented person anyway. But yeah, Skills and Matthews for me going on the right-hand side. Um, how about you, Kyle? Yeah, it really puts it into perspective when you talk about skills and Matthews because, like you say, you can't
0: even compare the stats because the stats aren't available. Mm. I'm really glad you've brought someone up from in Stokes Heritage because, you know, that team was more successful. I've focused mainly on the modern players from my era mm. um, and particularly the Premier League era. So I've written down a list of viable teammates and I think there are a number of viable options for right back to right winger, many of them with Andy Wilkinson at right back, a couple of them with uh, Phil Bardsley at right back and even one with Glenn Johnson, would you believe? I mean, Andy Wilkinson formed a solid partnership on the right hand side with Liam Lawrence, also with uh, Jonathan Walters when he was shifted out to to the right hand side under Pulis. And also Jermaine Pennant, of course, particularly in the FA Cup in 2011. You've got Phil Bardsley and John Walters, uh, particularly in 2014-15. And Sean Dyche wanted to recreate that partnership. It was that good. Uh, You've also got Phil Bardsley and Victor Moses. Also in 2014-15, I think he played the majority of, of games when Walters wasn't playing. And they had you know, uh, similarly great stats in that season. We had the highest points total that we'd ever had in the Premier League that season. And a lot was due to our strengths down that right-hand side with Bardsley defensively and Moses as a flying winger going forward. And then often in away games, we'd play Walters to double up on the uh, right winger if he was particularly menacing from from the opponents i had, i needed to go through the stats because there was no way that i was just going to go through these partnerships and just just choose someone like i said there's a number of options i wouldn't disagree if someone went with any of those even you know glenn johnson and jordan shakiri glenn johnson and john walters for that equally brilliant season in 15-16 when we went all the way to the League Cup semi-final. I've gone for Wilkinson and Lawrence for their partnership, not because they are individually better than the others, but because as a partnership we saw some of our better days, some of our best days in the Premier League uh, with those on the right side of our pitch. So, like I said, we've been blessed with some very good right wingers, despite having a lack of quality at right back. And when I did my Files FC, I really struggled to name full backs at all. But right back was just as much a struggle, uh, if not more than, than left back, because I don't consider Andy Wilkinson, Phil Bardsley or Glenn Johnson to be among the top 11 greatest Stoke players of all time. And yet Andy Wilkinson and Liam Lawrence were part of the team that got promoted. They also went very close the season before to uh, reaching the playoffs. And then in the Premier League, I know that Griffin and Wilkinson were rotated, depending on the opposition, I think. But Wilkinson and Lawrence, for me, were were the better partnership. I I don't think Griffin offered as much, particularly in the way of uh, tackling and aggression, as Wilkinson. And I think Lawrence was so direct, he just wanted to get down the wing and cross the ball in like a traditional winger. And I'm sure that's what Pulis signed him for. So I've named John Walters, obviously, as my right winger in my Files FC, but he's not really a right winger by trade. It's not his natural position, whereas obviously Lawrence, then Pennant were, you know, classic right wingers flying wingers i put walters in there because i had to put him in there somewhere and i i think pulis probably thought the same to be honest probably why i played him for 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 so many games but i'm going for a proper old-fashioned right back to traditional winger like i said as a combination so uh, wilkinson and lawrence are my two you know the, the 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 original and best of our Premier League era and, you know, without sounding too sentimental about it, Wilco and Lawrence did great things for us down our, our three and a half years. And for me, they embodied Stoke city at that time, not just Wilkinson, but also Lawrence as fairly local lads. They were with us before we went up. They were part of the reason we went up. And for me, they were both, you know, not just, part of the fabric but they were the fabric you know they were the furniture and for me at that time lawrence and wilkinson summed up everything that that was good about stoke city so yeah lawrence and lawrence and wilco
1: yeah i must admit lawrence and wilco were my backup option if there is such a thing i think you're right iconic the pair of them for being part of that team and probably complimented each other as well. Lawrence was obviously both worked hard, don't be wrong, but well concerned with his tackling and Lawrence being so prolific at the other end of the field probably helped each other out very well. You mentioned partnerships like Glenn Johnson and Jordan Shaqiri. For the fleeting amount of time that we saw that partnership, I thought that was fantastic. Um, Not necessarily defensively, but Offensively, it was an absolute joy to see them play together. They they
0: worked so well. I think in terms of an attacking partnership down our right-hand side, they were by far the
1: best. Yeah, I don't think we've seen better at all. No, um, Glenn
0: Johnson was probably the first right-back we had in the Premier League that would get forward. He would overlap. And with Shakiri as he liked to drift inside, gave him the option to... Johnson would take the full-back one way and Shakiri would cut inside. It's just a shame that they were both relegated together and it yes it, it harmed their reputation as Stoke players. But yeah, th- that partnership, particularly in fifteen, sixteen, was uh it was a joy to watch at times.
1: Yes, I agree. And and I think although fleeting someone may well name them as the greatest teammate partnership in that position, I guess, very difficult, but I think for different reasons, we've both gone with good choices there. You at home, you've got difficult choice to make. Skills and Matthews, obviously, and the difference between Lawrence and Wilkinson, the difference between those two pairs, just era alone is a very hard decision to make between the two. If you are making a decision, of course, you might just appreciate us talking about some of the good partnerships that we've had down the years. Let's move on to left flank, then. Yeah. My left flank is Eric Peters and Mark Ranatovich. I've gone back to a more current era, and this is possibly the most current that I'm going to get. Some might say that this is not much of a partnership, I guess, because the two were always at other ends of the field or known for being at the other ends of the field. But to be honest, I thought these two complemented each other so well. Peter's obviously very much a defensively-minded player, unashamedly so as well. Often would get the most amount of tackles in the Premier League, Not just his position for the whole league. Anatovic obviously grew into this out and out attacker, almost a wide striker, and he'd play so high off the pitch. Peters was known for not getting forward so well, and Anatovic was sometimes branded as lazy. But you know what? I think both of those can sometimes be overlooked and I think that complemented each other really, really well, to be honest. Both knew their roles, both knew that one was defensive and one was attacking, so they allowed each other to do the other's job. But both, I believe, had that work rate to help each other out when it was needed. Sometimes you would see Peters down the other end of the pitch, giving Anatovic a bit more space, or taking that second defender off of him, that second marker off of him. And sometimes Peters would get caught out of possession. He wasn't For me, the fastest player, I thought, like, sprint speed's a weird one. Some random players are clocked up of having the fastest sprint speed, especially at Stoke. But for me, Anatovic, you would sometimes see absolutely bursting back when Peters was not in his position, um, which sometimes he was. And it was just a joy to see Anatovich running with his chest stuck out, his big long shorts going in the breeze, and putting in a last-ditch tackle, even if it was a foul. So I think they're both underrated, in that respect, and I think that that's why they complement each other so well, because they were both known to be so good in their rightful positions, but they would help out each other when it was needed, and I think that goes understated quite a lot. One helped the development of the other. Peters came in from PSV, and... Was not the greatest defender in the world. Don't be wrong. He was good. And Ausvich coming from Werder Bremen, I believe, had obviously a very hot reputation, but also a lot of potential. And I think both enabled each other to grow both of course had the top knot haircut as well so some would <laughs> some would, uh, <laughs> struggle to tell the two apart at times i
0: need i need stats on that ben i need stats on how many appearances they made with the top knot oh uh, what,
1: what, because what season was that i think it was 15 16 <laughs> yeah um, it was yeah the... i think that was probably their their best it was
0: probably their best season as well yes as a, as a partnership
1: But yeah, that's why I've gone for those two. I think both knew their jobs and did them extremely well. Both would help out each other when needed. And I think they really did complement each other very, very well. And I think when one was at the team, the other would struggle. Okay, you're good then, mate.
0: Yeah, I was, I was hoping you'd say Peters and Arnautovic. I, I wrote a page of notes hmm. detailing the two, so you've covered a lot of the points. I, I just remember you knew what Peters were gonna, was going to do. He'd just give it straight to Arnautovic when he got the ball. The defenders didn't, didn't all, all, all know that. We all did in the stands. Uh, we knew what was coming. He was either going to control the ball and lay it back to him, or he was going to spin and let the ball run through his legs, which he often did. And it'd bamboozle the defender completely. Or he'd take the ball inside onto his uh, onto his right foot and cause problems that way. But I haven't gone for Peters and on out of it. I've actually gone for Higginbottom and Etherington having looked at the stats. Mm. Because in 49 matches, they were teammates together down our left-hand side. We had a points per game of 1.61, which is very impressive. Over a season of 38 games in the Premier League, that would get you 61 points. So that's far better than we ever did in the Premier League. Maybe the stats are altered slightly by cup competitions, where obviously we went on runs, particularly in 2009-10 in the FA Cup and getting all the way to the final um, the following year. But for me, Higginbottom and Etherington complemented each other so well as a partnership. I think whereas Peters and Arnautovic were better individually again. Higginbottom and Etherington work so well together because I think Higginbottom really helped Etherington in his better performances. I think most of Etherington's best performances were between 2009 to 2010 when Higginbottom was the first choice left back. And I think it's no surprise really because Higginbottom's defensive positioning and organisation is the best of any I can remember of any Stoke player that I've seen. But also, I think he, he always spoke to to Etherington. And I think back to, I mentioned previously on uh, the Files FC podcast that I did with you, I mentioned that I was a ball boy for the home games from 2007 to Pulis' last season in 2013. So I watched a lot of Matty Etherington and Danny Higginbottom On the left-hand side, because I'd be pitch side, so I heard a lot of Higginbottom constantly talking. He never stopped talking to Etherington, and I think that that kept him mentally switched on. I think later on in Etherington's career, he seemed to drift in and out of games, maybe a lapse in concentration sometimes. And I think he's a man who needs he needs to be spoken to. He needs reassurances from his teammates around him for him to excel. Don't get me wrong, Etherington is. With the ball at his feet, you know, Etherington, Etherington running down the wing he's fantastic. With the ball at his feet, it's just when he doesn't have the ball, sometimes he, he, he could switch off in games. Higginbottom, for me, he helped to get the best out of Etherington under Pulis. So the Higginbottom and Etherington combination, for me, is, is the best. And like I said, the points per game back that up. It's actually better than Peters and Arnautovic, would you believe? I know they played less games, but they also contributed more goals as well. So they had a a joint goal contribution of two, whereas Peters and Arnautovic very rarely combined to score. They only combined once in a game in five seasons, whereas Higginbottom and Etherington were able to score two goals together with uh, both having a a direct involvement in their one and a half seasons as left-back to left-wing teammates. So there you go.
1: There you go. Again, two two very solid players in that Premier League era and I can completely understand why someone would pick those two over Anastovic and Peters. Um, Higginbotham, as you said, was a very intelligent player and did probably help Etherington, who had that raw talent, but as you say, sometimes might go misguided in a defensive sphere. But both very hard workers, again, which is typical of a Tony Peelers team. Typical of Stoke City players, some would say and they had so much success between them as well. We talk about the FA Cup final and all that stuff. Yeah, two very good players. Again, a tough toss-up if you are deciding between the two, between Anastasia, and Peters, and then Higginbotham and Edrington as well. Yeah, two good ones, and I can completely see why you go for either one of them.
0: Yeah, there was also uh, Mark Wilson and Matty Eddington yes. who um, were later on in Etherington's career as a stoke player but the points per game wasn't wasn't as good mm. although they, they were teammates for a long period of time and Mark Wilson was good in that he enabled Etherington to get forward again just by sitting and just letting Etherington go forward and, and express himself so that I think that really helped as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mark Wilson sometimes you forget was ever a left back that played for us, but he actually played a lot of games for Stoke at left back. Yeah, he
0: played it they played eighty-one games together. Yeah. So yeah, more than more than bottom, actually.
1: Yeah. Mad really, when you think about it. Mark Wilson is one that flies right under the radar, even for me. But yes, two two strong picks again. Um as we move into the midfielders, which is a very tough category, because Stoke have had some terrific centre midfield partnerships over the years but I'm going to go for mine based off what other people spoke to me about on the podcast before, actually. I'm going to go with James O'Connor and Graham Kavanagh. Now, this is a partnership that should have got promoted twice (laughs) and didn't. For those who don't know, who have maybe listened to a previous podcast, Graham Kavanagh had already established himself as a great player at Stoke by the time James O'Connor broke through as a teenager. James O'Connor was a young, enthusiastic player, excellent at both ends of the field, and O'Connor had the work rate and desire to be where he needed to be on the pitch, regardless of where Kavanaugh was, which meant Kavanaugh had the prowess about him to make things happen and was allowed to do so by James O'Connor's enthusiasm and running ability. Don't be wrong, they scored bags and bags of goals between them. In fact, I think you probably struggle to find another partnership who did bag as many between them. Yes, you can go back to the 70s era or maybe the Matthews era. I'm talking the Alan Hudsons and peers like that. And then in the Premier League, we've, we struggle for goals from midfield, I think, on the whole. But these two, for me, I think, having listened to what other people said as well, they, they complement each other so well. Kavanagh being almost the, the mentor and James O'Connor being not the apprentice, but the young lad who would graft and work so that Kavanagh could perform and both would perform. James O'Connor would go on after Kavanagh left to play a very crucial part in Stoke getting promoted and in the playoff semi final, of course. So I've, I've gone for those two just because that sort of workhorse and Rolls Royce Kind of combination for me makes them great teammates together. And I'm assuming that you may have gone for something similar, Kyle. I suppose, yeah, you could describe Whelan and Nzonzi as yes. that
0: sort of combination. But I think they actually complemented its- each other because they were they were both good at similar things. It's already been mentioned plenty of times their combination on the YYY files. I said how Whelan's jockeying and good positioning complemented Nzonzi's strength and speed. On the ball, they kept it pretty simple, but when they needed to, they had great awareness and they could pick out any teammates on the pitch. So they were very effective on the ball, but also off the ball as well. They didn't need to tackle often because they would sometimes intercept the ball. One of them would close down the player in possession face on and cut off the forward pass, and the other would uh, block the obvious sideways option. Unfortunately, we only got three seasons out of. This partnership, but a lot of people have a lot of fond memories over those three seasons. Three of our best, if you exclude, you know, the FA Cup run and the the season after, directly after when when we signed shakiri and Bojan started to flourish uh, when he returned from his injury. But I mean, when I think of Wheel and and zonzi I I think of the 2014-15 season when they were pretty much ever-present in the team. I have the stats on the centre midfield partnerships that Glenn Whelan has had, which I needed to kind of reassure myself that I was making the right choice with Whelan and Inzonzi, but I think I think they speak for, for themselves as as a partnership. So like with the centre-back partnerships, I found myself just finding the best teammates of one player. In the case of the centre-backs, it was Ryan Shawcross in In central midfield, it was Glenn Whelan. So, Glenn Whelan, for me, has been the club's greatest central midfield player throughout the club's Premier League era. The the stats kind of back up the Inzonzi partnership as being the best because in 92 matches, they had a points per game of 1.49. So, in a 38-game season, that would get you about 56 to 57 points. So, yeah, again... More than we ever got in a season. That partnership for me is was um, head and shoulders the best midfield partnership in, in the Premier League. It's just a shame that we didn't have an extra player, maybe playing ahead of them, that played at the same level. I know Bojan uh, was kind of in and out and show glimpse show glimpses of his potential, but we needed someone to play week in week out, and I don't think Bojan was was that player. For me, the perfect midfield would have been Whelan in front of the defence, sitting with Nzonzi and Allen playing ahead of them in sort of holding roles, but with the freedom for one of them to go forward. I think that would have worked really well in the Premier League, but it's just the way it goes. Um, I, I think as well, Joe Allen's been really unlucky because he's not had the same partnerships that Glenn Whelan had as a Stoke player. And obviously, when people think of the best central midfield players in Stoke's history, we go straight to Glen Whelan and not Joe Allen. But really, uh, individually, the, there's not much between the two players. It's just the era that the the two players played in. I think you could have put Joe Allen in that 14-15 season, 15-16 season, and he would have flourished. Uh, he would have he would have performed to the same levels as Glen Whelan and Steven and
1: yeah, I can I can see that. When you think of Wheel and you think of how many partners he had over the years he was at Stoke, he was at Stoke for such a long time and he went through so many midfield partnerships, um, had so many midfield teammates, he was always the ever present. And and Zonzi probably would have been the ever present going forward had he not decided to leave. You mentioned probably a third player. I reckon because you mentioned the 14-15 season. That was when Bojan joined, I believe. So that's when he was really good. People say he was better before his injury. Of course, he had that injury yeah. around November time. Had he not had that injury, you do wonder whether Whelan and Zanzi and Bojan would have been that trifecta that everybody at Stoke was after. Yeah, definitely.
0: I think it, Bojan's just been unfortunate with, with uh, different, different issues, obviously, yeah. off, off the pitch and on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, i definitely go for um, a midfield, two of, of Whelan and, and Zonzi.
1: Yes, and again, too too hard to split for different reasons. For me, the Whelan and Zonzi partnership reminds me of, like, a Skills Matthews vibe, and Zonzi being that standout player, that star man, the Rolls-Royce, and... Whelan being that guy who would be understated, underrated, I was happy to do the dirty work for him. And yeah, I, I do think they brought the best of each other out in their technical abilities as well. Anyway, so we've got one set left, and that is a strike partnership. Now, some people say that the strike partnerships are the best partnerships for teammates, the most exciting ones anyway. They're not as common these days. A lot of lone strikers, maybe second strikers sitting with them, maybe combinations with certain wingers. But for me, I have gone with a strike partnership that for me, they didn't play with each other consistently for very long from memory, but I absolutely loved seeing these two play together. Kenwin Jones and John Walters. (laughs) Two very typical Tony Pulis strikers, but personally I found them so engaging to watch the pair of them walters had such a tenacity about his play was extremely physical had those glimpses of quality obviously jones was just a powerhouse and an athlete with such aerial ability which was what stoke required at that time it's what we've required for a very very long time and even though he wasn't the tallest of blokes, Kenwin Jones, I think Jones and Walters were probably about the same height, really. The aerial ability of Jones was just superb. And very similar to Shawcross and Hooth for me, they both had similar styles of play, yet both complemented the weaknesses of each other in this scenario. You know, Walters, perhaps at times, lacked that bit of quality. And I do believe that in certain situations, Kenwin Jones was possibly the more prolific of the two, but then Jones was often perceived again as lazy and Walters was anything but. And I think that those two playing together, it, it was just such good football. When you think of people like Pennant, and Etherington on the wings, crossing into these two, what would defences do? A lot of teams have one hold-up man and someone playing off in. Either of these could have done either job for each other. And they were both fantastic in that 2010-11 season that we reached the FA Cup final. I believe they both finished top goal scorer for Stoke that season with, like, 11 or something. But for me, that's the most excited I've been about a strike partnership, and I love it. I, I, I love that partnership to bits. And hopefully we see something again like that one day, because I don't think we've quite had something like that, unless, again, Kyle... You can name a strike partnership that blows me away.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you mentioned Walters and Kenwyn Jones when I spoke about Walters on my file, and I thought about it. And when I when I think of Walters, I think of Crouch. But then Walters isn't really a strike. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a striker. He wasn't played as a striker often enough to to call him a, a striker. You know, so for me, I narrowed it down. Peter Crouch and sort of one other in in certainly the Mark Hughes era, but I feel like it's difficult choosing between strikers in the Hughes era, even though it was you know so successful. It was it was the most successful era for us in the Premier League, but he often he, he only cho- he only chose one uh, lone striker, as you said, and he also rotated them al- so often. And I think this was. Probably counterintuitive because once one striker, whether it be Mama Joof, whether it be John Walters or Peter Crouch, when they had a, a run of games and they, they were just building up the form, and then Hughes would rest them, he'd take them out of the team, and then their sort of consistency and their form was interrupted. So I haven't chosen a strike partnership from the Mark Hughes era and I've instead gone back to uh, the Pun- Tony Pulis days and right at the start of his second stint in charge, a lot of his success was geared around the partnership of Mama Sadebi and Ricardo Fuller. So these were proper set- strike partners for me. They, they were crucial in getting us uh, promotion from the championship and they were there when we needed them most. In, in the championship, but also in the first season in the Premier League. When I think of Sidibe and Fuller, I, I, I actually think of the Premier League because I think of how, how effective that partnership was when we were up against centre-back partnerships that just weren't used to having to deal with the, the ball into the box or long throw-ins. They weren't used to having that style of play to contend with every week. We had a lot of success just by getting the ball into the box, into Sidibe and Fuller. And Fuller didn't really have to do much outside of that. In the Championship, we didn't have as much um, success getting the ball into the box, because at that time in particular, Championship defenders were used to dealing with the ball, the high ball crosses into the box. So we had a lot of success in the Premier League, and the stats certainly back that up. When Sidibe and Fuller played as a pair in, In 2007-08, they had a goals per game ratio of 0.54. Compare that to the first season in the Premier League in 2008-09. They had goals per game rate of 0.63. So it was actually better, even though they were playing in in a higher division. I kind of sensed that that would be the case. But having looked back as well at... This, uh, Sidibe and Fuller partnership in more detail I was surprised th- at the number of goals Fuller assisted to Sidibe and I think it flies into the face of the perceived logic that many Stoke fans might have that Sidibe flipped the ball on for Fuller to, to score because Fuller actually created a lot of goals for Sidibe so that the partnership in total combined directly to score nine goals six of them were actually assisted by fuller to sadebi out of the 24 goals that sadebi scored for stoke 25% of them so six out of 24 were assisted by ricardo fuller and i think that that's just testament to how to how good fuller was at, at that stage playing in the championship he was cut above he looked like he could step up to the premier league and he did definitely showed, particularly in the the first season up, that Fuller could cut it and Sidibe could become a problem for Premier League centre-backs as much or or even more than he was in the Championship. So, I mean, the other partnerships, as good as they were individually, maybe when they played at scoring goals, they weren't partnerships as such under Marc Hughes, whereas... Fuller and Sidibe were were a definite stripe partnership. Like I said, their direct style of play, directness of Stokes' play in our first season in the Premier League uh, caused defences a lot of problems.
1: Absolutely. I was very glad that you said those two, actually, uh, because I felt like if you didn't, because I didn't, we would be getting a lot of backlash from not having those two, because they are an iconic partnership for Stoke, of course they are. I think mine was probably based off a more emotionally fueled pick, while well, falling into DB. Iconic for getting us up, iconic for keeping us up. You mentioned the combination between the two. they They just work so well together. Both, for me, very different players, and that's just why, again, they work so well. Maybe, as you said, by one assisting for the other, perhaps not in the way that we think, But, yes, those two, fantastic. Both love the club, both part of the club in such an important time. Yeah, you you can go back to other strike partnerships. I'm sure John Ritchie probably had a great strike partner. Mike Sharon and Simon Sturridge were obviously a great partnership back in the day. Mark Steen probably had a great partnership with somebody as well. I must admit, I've not done the research on those. You've probably done more than I have, Kyle. But I think the reason why is because I think it's very hard to overlook someone like Florence Sidibe, and for me... Jones and Walters were just the highlight, possibly, of me watching Stoke. I think they were just fantastic together. So yeah, there you go. There's there's our 11s. I'll run through mine again, Asmir Begovic in goal, and then you've got centre-backs of Ryan Shawcross and Robert Huth. On the right flank, you've got Eric Skeels and Sir Stanley Matthews. On the left flank, you've got Eric Peters and Marko Arnautovic. In the midfield, you've got James O'Connor and Graham Kavanagh. and up front, you've got Kenwyn Jones and Jonathan Walters. And that's that's my teammates eleven. One more time, do you want to run through yours, Kyle? Yeah, so uh, my teammates
0: eleven of the greatest teammates to have played for Stoke City. Thomas Sorensen in goal, centre backs Ryan Shawcross and Robert Tooth. Right side, I've got Andy Wilkinson and Liam Lawrence. Left hand side, I have Danny Higginbottom and Matthew Etherington central midfield glenn whelan and Stephen nzonzi and up front mama Sadivi and ricardo fuller
1: or number 10 ricardo fuller should i say (laughs) yes of course well there you go what i'll probably do is i'll probably upload these teams to twitter or something i don't know might do polls doing battles for each just to see what you guys think I can imagine that some might be more popular than others between you, but that's absolutely fine. Like I say, there's no rules to this. It was just a bit of fun. And again, I'm, I'm really glad that we've done this. A bit of something different. Teammates is something that's not spoken about a lot in this podcast, maybe not in general at all, as individuals and teams are becoming so much more than teammates. But I, I really like seeing a strike partnership or a defensive duo or pair of midfielders that just work so well together or a fullback and a winger who who were just iconic together as some of them have been for Stoke, I think as we prove today. And with that I think that's closed this greatest teammates edition of the YYY Files. Firstly, Carl thank you ever so much again, firstly for coming up with the idea and approaching me to do this. I really appreciate it That's a problem but also for clearly all of the effort you put in today looking up all the stats looking at all the different combinations and determining which ones truly were the greatest and i think it it's fair to say you've come up with some great teammates today thank you very much Well, well done and thank you very much once again do you want to give us a very brief reminder about where we can find your project so i'm on twitter at
0: teammates underscore app i run a website which is teammatesapp.co.uk you can find a monthly quiz on there there's also a leaderboard if you download the app and uh, want to see how you're getting on compared to other users i also have started to design t-shirts based on the design of the app but you don't need to have downloaded the app to like the t-shirts and, and want to buy them uh, and i will definitely do a couple of stoke t-shirts uh, for you stokeys out there because i know most of my followers stoke
1: fans so well there you go then if you fancy helping out a fellow stoker go check that out and then of course if you want to help me out just a reminder that this show relies on people like you to come and get involved and these days there's plenty of ways to do so if you want to share your own stoke city story like kyle has done previously and create your file head to the website at the if you think you could create a podcast dedicated to your stoke city hero head to the website and click stoke city heroes If you think you know a Stoke City personality that might want to appear undisclosed or there's someone you'd especially like to hear from, send an email to the YYYFiles at mail.com or a message on social media at the YYYFiles. Let me know who that might be. If you don't want to do any of that, but you enjoyed the podcast and you want to hear more, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Go back and listen to our previous content if you haven't already, but most importantly, tell your friends about the show. All links to everything, me and Kyle, will be in the description of this podcast. That just needs to say one more time. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks very much, Ben. Thank you all very much for listening. Until the next one. But don't forget, it could be your fall one day. Visiting to 40